Well, um, uh, ta -ta -ta. if you know me at all, I love the Holy Spirit. I love his anointings and I love his workings. Absolutely. Um, and I'm really, really passionate about getting back to like basics and simplifying who he actually says he is. A lot of times in Christian culture, we can like, oh man, I got to jump through that loop in order to get that thing. And I got to, I got to pray into that portal so I can go like weird stuff. Let's get back to the basics of just like, okay, the simplicity, right? That's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight. And maybe this seems foreign, but this is, this is literally the way the church is supposed to operate. Okay. This is the way I'm going to present this, okay? I got, uh, how do I say this? I think it's interesting the way we interact at church opposed to the way they did back in scripture and how structured things are. So yes, there's a time and a place. Obviously I go to this church, so I'm okay with the things that happen here, you know? But it's very structured right where I want to get back to the simplicity of what it looks like when we come to an environment where everybody wants the same thing so if this comes across tonight where I'm telling you how to think I believe that this is truth of what I'm about to tell you obviously or else I wouldn't bring it to you I believe that this is complete truth of the way the Lord honors meetings, such as these, or honors whatever, right? Does that make sense? Again, I think we have overcomplicated following Jesus, and we almost feel like we try to almost convince the Holy Spirit to work with us. Anybody felt that way? Like, Holy Spirit, just, man, if I fast enough, I'll, 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 I feel like maybe then you'll work with me. Anybody felt that way? I feel that way, right? When, especially when I'm contending for something, like really, really going after something. I'm like, man, what do you, what do you need me to sell? What do you need me to do? What do you need me to get rid of so that you'll do it, right? That would be a very, very cruel God, right? Obviously, there's a time and a place for repentance and, and saying, hey, he's going to withhold something because you're not forgiving. Of course, but man, wouldn't it be jacked up if your, your best friend said, the only way I'll hang out with you is if you sell your favorite piece of clothing. <laughs> That'd be really weird. And be like, I, I don't know if I want to hang out with you much longer, right? I know that's a silly example, but like that would be very, very cruel. The Lord doesn't work that way. He'll, he'll withhold things for a sake of getting you to repent, <laughs> or for the sake of you forgiving somebody, he will. But he won't withhold things. He won't tell you to give up something just for the sake of doing it. He's not cruel. He's too good. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Why do we feel like we have to convince the Holy Spirit to do something for us? Why do we feel that way? 
Why do we feel like we've got to beg, scrape and claw when we're really contending for something, when we're really wanting? Why do we feel like we have to conjure up the Holy Spirit? First, I believe that we don't picture him as a person. That we picture him as some force or something floating around in the, in the atmosphere. He's a person. Scripture refers to Holy Spirit as a he, not as an it. I hear a lot of people say, oh, the Holy Spirit is an it. I push him around. He's a big blob that floats around through the room, and I can push him on the keel. And no, 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 no. You're weird. <laughs> He's a person. I know that that's foreign because you're like, what, a spirit? How is a spirit a person? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. And neither do you. And that's okay. Because he's God. <laughs> right? Why do I feel like I have to conjure him up? Why do I feel like I have to conjure up his presence into an atmosphere, into a place? Like, man, I need the perfect key. I need the perfect song to set the table so that the Holy Spirit will actually come into this room. Well, actually, our theology's off. He's everywhere. Wait, how is he a person and he's ever, well, he is. He's God. He surpasses our logic, yes? Okay, I know that that's hard for some people. It's hard for me sometimes. Like, man, <laughs> you say you're a healer, why don't you heal? Well. <laughs> Because he's God, and it's his timing. And I say yes to that. Right? You with me? I believe, to kind of shift just a touch, okay? I'll get back to it. I promise. I believe, and maybe I'm radical, but I believe Holy Spirit is in the room prior to us worshiping him. Prior to us accepting him prior to us expecting him. I believe that he's in the room prior to us inviting him. That's why I don't sing that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. I don't, I don't, I don't like that song. Maybe it's doing something in me, but man, I don't feel like I should ever say to the Lord that he's welcome somewhere when he gets to tell me I'm welcome somewhere. I don't get to... I don't get to call the shots. That makes sense? Some people feel like they get to and like, oh man, nope. We need to have the lights perfectly at 30% dimness, the perfect candle lit, the perfect song that's really hitting in my life right now for him to show up. No, 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 no. That's so that you actually increase your awareness to him. None of that stuff is bad, but if we're completely dependent on that, to increase our awareness to the king, we're jacked up. Does that make sense? I should be able to, doesn't mean you have to be able to today, but I should be able to say, Lord, I know you're here. And the atmosphere should shift. In my brain, not in reality. Does that make sense? Because I am fixing my eyes on him i'm increasing my awareness to him it's not the other way around okay he doesn't decide where to go or sorry i don't decide where he goes 
he decides. Does that make sense? It's funny. We think that we have say. <laughs> you know, isn't that funny? Really, I think we're so powerful that we have say of whether he comes into a room or not. How crazy do you have to be to think that way? And yeah, yeah maybe I could just called you crazy. But it's okay. Because the way that you think, and if that was your thought process, that's crazy. Yes? That you think the Lord answers to you? No, we answer to him. What an honor. Right? Is this making sense? Yes? You with me so far? I believe if we are aware of him, things change. Simple. Yes, I understand. Very, very simple. But if I increase my awareness to the king, I believe my life would change. There's obviously places where I, quote unquote, feel the Lord more than others. <laughs> okay? There is. I feel the Lord more at church than I do at a bar. <laughs> okay? Not saying that a bar is, oh my gosh, demonic and evil. No, I'm not saying that. But I feel him more when I'm in an atmosphere like this. And when my awareness is to him. But man, should it be the same as when I'm at a bar? Yes, it should. I should be a walking awareness person. My antennas, if you will, should be up all the time saying, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Right? Jeremiah 29, 11 is a very cliche Bible verse that's overused and it's supposed to be a self-help Bible verse that many of us have taken out of context. For I know the plans for you to prosper, all of that. Yes, we know that scripture. If you don't, it's Jeremiah 29, 11. Write it down, read it later. What that actually means is he has orchestrated plans for you to prosper. Right? It's no coincidence that you go places. You might think that you're like some profound person, like I, I run my life. No, nope. if he's sovereign, he set it up. Did you hear that? If he is a sovereign king, he set it up. No matter where you go, he set it up because he's sovereign. If we want to pull his sovereignty away, then we get to decide where we go. But if we inject sovereignty back into the equation, he dictates where we go. So you walking in here was not by coincidence. He set it up. Right? You stepping out in faith somewhere, at a club, at a bar, wherever it is, he set it up. You going and buying milk at the grocery store, he set it up. Why? Because he's sovereign. But you're thinking, well, I just need milk. Yep, you're right. But he's sovereign. He set it up. Does that make sense to everybody? The person that was in, that standing in front of you at Chipotle, he set it up. Have you ever thought of that? That will radically shift your entire life. Because you'll be like, whoa, I just walked into Costco. He set this up. I'm about to cross. I'm about to walk past this white haired lady. 
who's walking way too slow, he set it up. Why? Well, you'll have to find out. Why? Because Holy Spirit's everywhere. My awareness just has to be tuned to him to understand why he's setting things up. Does that make sense? Does it actually? Because that should be like a radical shift in your life. Right? That is crazy. Like he set up me wanting to take a drink of Sprite down to the very, very, very minuscule things. And yeah, sure, that might be so insignificant. <laughs> but man, if he's sovereign, it must be significant. Yes? Okay. Here's a question. How many of you can sin when you're aware of the Holy Spirit? Is that possible? What do you think? Have you ever thought of that? Last time you were really, really into worship. Think of it. Like, wow, this song is freaking hitting, dude. And I'm about to hit my knees if that's it, right? How prone are you to sin? You're not prone at all. Why? Because you are fixed on him. If your eyes are truly on the king, you can't. It's literally impossible. When's the last time you were afraid when you were worshiping? When's the last time you were thinking about a bill when you were worshiping? Not some guy named Bill, but like... <laughs> When was the last time, right? If you are truly, truly worshiping, you are fixed on the king. When's the last time you were thinking about a bill? You weren't. It's the last thing. When was the last time you were thinking about an illness or a sickness when you were worshiping the king? Like literally, holy, holy, holy is kind of worship. It's impossible. Why is that? Because my awareness is fixed on him. Because the moment you start sinning, you're, you're off, right? You're not focused on him anymore. Do you get it? You ever thought of that? Like, well, I could still do it. No, you can't. If you're truly worshiping, it's just you and him. Who cares about what the worship leader's singing? <laughs> Who cares what song is actually being played? You are just in a place of like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. It's just me and you, right? You can't sin. You can't think of anything. You can't think about your circumstances because you are in love with him and your awareness is completely tuned to him. Pretty cool, huh? And I may be on an island with the next my next uh, thought, but I guarantee... You'll, I, I believe you're, you're going to agree with me. But I might be alone on this, and that's okay. I'll die on this. I believe I can live a perfect life by the work of the Holy Spirit. Whoa, this guy's a heretic. No, I'm not. 
if a perfect God actually is living in me. Did you hear me? If a perfect God is actually living in me, I have the capacity to say yes to him only. But there's moments in my life where I shut it off because my preferences get in the way of like, man, I'd really, really just, I just want to watch that show. <coughs> even if it's so insignificant, like, I don't even think, what, what's a show that I watch? Like Ted Lasso. I love Ted Lasso. I didn't even know I liked soccer until I like watched that show, right? But guess what? I shut off the ministry of the Holy Spirit on my life. Man, I know. I just upped the ante a little bit. It sucks. Because I still have my preferences. Sometimes I still just want to listen to Noah Gunderson and not listen to Brian Johnson play guitar and sing Holy, Holy, Holy. I am. I'm working on it. I prefer worship music. But man, sometimes I just want to listen to Phoebe Bridgers and cry. <laughs> it's just an example. I don't actually cry when I listen to her. Okay? <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? If I believe that the, there is a perfect God living inside of me, I believe I can continually say yes to him and live a perfect life. I can't do it on my own, obviously. Why? Because I'm fallen. <laughs> I'm a sinful, sinful man. And I just admitted to you that my preferences aren't always godly. They're not. Sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes you do too. Right? Does this make sense? If I submit to the Holy Spirit's moving, I believe I have capacity to not sin. If he is actually God and he actually lives in me, I believe I have the capacity of living this reality out. Do you? Think about it. Why do I believe that? Because James 1.4 reads this. So let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. That's in the Bible. Yes, I get it. I'm not going to take it out of context. I get it. It's easy to abstain from sin when things are going well. Right? It's easy. But when things start getting a little bit chaotic around us, okay, I'm going to resort back to survival mode and say, okay, I'm going to put my heels in the sand, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to figure out how to fix this on my own, right? We've all experienced that. But when things are going well, it's really easy to follow the Lord, <laughs> right? Should it be that way? Well, actually, no, obviously. <laughs> Why? Because endurance is, endurance is achieved by pressing through a feeling of wanting to give up. Correct? Anybody ran? Even just for an extended, maybe just like five minutes? <laughs> I've done that at least, right? And, <laughs> I hate running, and I hate things that involve sweat. Okay? Just who I am. I don't like it. I'll pay for it when I'm 40. <laughs> 
But if you've run for an extended amount of time, you've probably felt like, all right, I'll just walk. I'm kind of over this, right? Endurance is that thing that keeps you going, right? Same thing, whether it's circumstance, seasons, however you want to explain things and, and describe things in your life. Endurance is the thing that keeps you going, right? When things start shifting and things are not going as well, our thought life goes crazy unless we have an endurance and we're focused on the Lord and his movings and his truths. Yes? So when endurance has its perfect result, we actually understand who our Lord is. Does that make sense? I'll say it again. When endurance has its perfect result, we are understanding who our Lord is. He's the victorious one. Correct? He doesn't fail. He's victorious every single time. Therefore, we can have endurance in him. Okay? So what's the key? When my gaze is fixed on his face, we have to stop giving awe to the mountains and give awe to him. Right? We see these crazy things in front of us, whether it's unpaid bills, whether it's big decisions in our life, whatever it is, we say, whoa, that's a big mountain. And we say, oh my gosh, I'm going to give a lot of attention to that mountain. That's massive. That's a huge mountain. Is that right? No, it's not. We need to stop marveling at mountains. Not actually, but you get what I'm saying, right? We need to stop marveling at mountains and actually start marveling at who he says he is and who he is. Does this make sense? You guys are looking at me kind of blankly. Am I losing you? Okay, you have a pulse? Okay, good. Check. All right. This is a holy, righteous, and a pure life. When I'm transfixed on his face, and I can't take my eyes off of him, that's the goal, yes? You get what I'm saying? Again, if a perfect God lives in me, then he can lead me into perfection. I can't do it on my own. I can try, but it's unperfect anyway. Right? Okay. This is a life aware of his omnipresence and his omnipotency. When you are in a true worship, you don't give a rip about your circumstances. Why? Because he's, he's victorious. And yes, it, it's obviously easier said than done. I get it. I get it. But what a freeing invitation that this is. How cool. Who wants to be perfect? Anybody? I do. I really, really want to be perfect. I want to offer myself as something pleasing to the king. Don't you? Man, I want him to find no blemish on me. Wouldn't that be cool? Because of the work of Jesus on my life? Wouldn't that be awesome? Like that was a guy, right? I want to be like the Enoch of our generation. Where it's just like, you don't need to die. You can just go. <laughs> just go up, dude. You're good. Right? I want to be that guy. 
I do. I want to be David-like, where I'm a man after God's own heart. I want to be that, right? I want to offer something pleasing to the king. Every single exhale, I want it to be pleasing to him. I want it to be an incense to him. Does that make sense? If you don't want that, you're going to be very, very frustrated the rest of the time that you hear me preach. Tonight and forever. (laughs) Right? If you don't want to offer yourself as something pleasing to the king, you're going to be like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And that's okay. That's fine. Everybody's got their thing. But that's what I'm going after. That's what I want to invite you into. That's a person aware of who's living in them. And we can think of people in Scripture who were named righteous, right? Anybody want to play with me? Like, who were some of the people named righteous in Scripture? Abraham. Abraham. Great. Good. Keep it going. Have fun with me. Who? Yeah, that's a good one. Who else? Noah. Noah. Perfect. Who else? John the Baptist? Yeah. He ended up with his head on a platter. So, literally, he was the first martyr. Everybody says that it was Stephen, but it was actually John the Baptist. He died for Jesus. Okay, who else? Who else was named righteous? Enoch, I gave you one earlier, right? Abel, who ended up killed. (laughs) Who else? Job. Job was named righteous and blameless, and that dude went through it all. (laughs) Bad health, family issues, career issues, all of it. Right? These were all people named righteous. Paul, Peter, all of them. That's a pretty cool list to be a part of. Don't you want your name on that list? Like, these are heroes. Think of more recent ones, like Oral Roberts, A.A. Allen, some of these heroes of the faith, if you've never studied some of them, by, oh my gosh, the things that they did. Smith Wigglesworth, that dude kicked people. Straight up. Kicked people and then they were healed. I was like, whoa, that's radical, dude. And they walked up and they're like, hey, man, I'm better. <laughs> cool, all right, that worked. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like those kinds of people, they were named righteous. We'll focus on the ones in the Bible because they're less controversial. I get it. <laughs> okay, that's fine. No laughter. All right, there was many more. All right, it's a long list of people named righteous. But were they perfect? Well, you can make a case for some of them. John the Baptist? I don't know. He was pretty close, dude. Yeah, granted, he didn't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit yet, but man, that dude hung out in the wilderness and then came out and said, the king is coming, the king is coming, and that was it until he died. Interesting. We can make a case, right? Enoch, we can make a case, dude. The Lord just said, all right, I'm con- hey, just come on up. Right? These were people before Holy Spirit and dwelled. Right? David wasn't perfect. Bummer. Sucks. 
Moses wasn't perfect. Neither was Noah. But man, you could make a case for a couple of them, right? But what can you say about all of them? They all wanted the glory. Ah, dang it! They all wanted the Lord glorified more than anything else. That's what they wanted. Every single person that we just listed off, they all wanted the Lord to be known more than them. But they're still named. Pretty cool. This is a life understanding the promises and the truth of the Lord. Some of them were, again, pre-Jesus even, or at least pre-resurrection. Like I said before, our last week, we're spoiled. We've got all of the scriptures to pull off of, right? We are so spoiled. We know things that John the Baptist had to discover on his own, spending a lot of time in the wilderness, praying and fasting and eating bugs. We've got it at our fingertips now. You get this? We've got things that Paul had to write in the intimate places with him and the Holy Spirit. We have those things. We've got a cheat code. And we still struggle with like, (laughs) you heard we, right? I did not say you. We still struggle with saying, is he worth it? Do I actually, is he actually in me? Do I want that? So where do we go, right? Here's the thing, if the individuals, me, you, us, but individually, not us as a community yet, we'll get to that in a second, but you individually, if you, as we as individuals take responsibility over this of increasing our awareness to the Holy Spirit, and then we inject ourselves in the community, like a place like this, what does it look like? Does that make sense? Let me put it this way. If we lay down our agendas and say, Lord, I just want you, and then inject ourselves into a community, what does it look like? One more. If we do not let our circumstances dictate our thought life about the Lord, and then we inject ourselves into a community, what does it look like? I'm really glad that you asked all three of those. This is where the, you see what I'm doing here? You as an individual have a responsibility to then show up in an environment like this and we have a whole nother responsibility, okay? So now you understand you as an individual in individuals, (laughs) you understand your responsibility as a person, as Benji, just you as Keelan, just you as Jaden, just you, you as individuals. Your responsibility is to what? Increase your awareness to the king. Okay? That's step one. And then we inject ourselves into a community like this, and then what's the responsibility from there? Well, 
Here's what it is. Turn to Acts. My favorite writings in all the scripture are in Acts. So go there, and I'm going to hop around but in chapters 1 and 2, okay? But what does a place look like when a bunch of individuals have done their work and have increased the awareness to a king? And for the record, I am never going to be a person who will cater to what you think this place should look like. Okay? I'm just not that guy. I'm glad that you have your preferences. I'm glad that you have your opinions, and that's great. I'm doing the best I know how to listen to the Holy Spirit and then implement. Okay? That's why every single week is going to look different. And that's really cool. I think. You will, maybe. My preferences stink in in comparison to what the Holy Spirit is capable of in a meeting. Your preferences stink. (laughs) Period. No, I'm just joking. Your preferences stink compared to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in an environment like this. So what do we do? Tune our awareness to the king, and then we come here and say, King, what do you want to do? Right? Doesn't that sound fun? Doesn't it? Doesn't it sound just amazing? That he just has full access? Remember, this is a Holy Spirit-run meeting, and what he says goes, no matter what it looks like, what it sounds like. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to offend our minds a little bit more so that he can get to your heart. Do you understand that? Sometimes our logic, our brains, not saying to shut your brain off. I'm not telling you to say that. I don't want to brainwash you. I'm not a cult leader. Okay? But he needs to offend your logic a little bit more so that he can get to the place that he needs to get to. If we just let it come into our brain, man, you're, you're creating a really good religion. But he calls for friendship. He calls for a relationship. He calls for intimacy. I don't just love Madison in my brain. <laughs> or else we'd have a very, very unhealthy marriage. I love her with my heart. Yes? Do you get that? Think of your dog, maybe. You don't just love your dog with your brain. You don't just convince yourself, oh man, I love my dog. Why? Uh, Because I told myself to. No, there's something that happens in you. Do you get it? Okay. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to offend our minds a little bit more to get to our hearts. Church and religious gatherings were never intended to be your spiritual fix for the week. (laughs) They were never intended to be that way. Right? Where you just show up on Sunday and say, all right, fill me up. (laughs) Right? That'd be really stupid. What if you just came (laughs) to church to eat? That was the only time. Would you make it to church? You just came to church once, once a week to eat and drink. Probably wouldn't make it. Or you'd be dragging yourself in. Same way. It's never, it was never set up to be our spiritual fix 
for the week. And I know you know that. I know you know that. I know you know it in your brain. But what does it look like when my heart is, is turned in affection? Well, man, tomorrow I should have the same level of affection that I felt this morning at Sunday service and, and earlier or even now. My heart should still be stirred up towards him the same way, whether Pastor Bree's singing or not, whether the perfect song's on or not. Do you get it? Let me explain it this way. Then we'll get into the text and I'll, I'll wrap it up, okay? I don't want to keep you here much longer. Um, here's how I'll explain it. Imagine you have a tournament coming up and you're thrilled about it, okay? Tournament, a gig, whatever it might be, a test, because <laughs> that's the only way I can relate to you guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just being honest, all right? Okay. Imagine you have something big coming up that you're really, really excited about. I don't know why I said test. You shouldn't be excited about it, but that's all I had. Okay. Maybe you're just your career, but finally getting off. Okay, whatever. Fill in the blanks. You guys are smart enough. You have a week to get ready. Okay? You have a week to get ready for this tournament. I'm just going to use tournament just as a blanket. Okay? We have a week to get ready for this tournament. And the week passes by and the tournament's here. And the week you just thought about the tournament. You're just like, okay, it'll be fun. <laughs> Can't wait to do it. Can't wait to participate in that tournament. I, and I, I'm expecting I'm going to win. All of these things, right? But you didn't prepare for it at all. Yes? You showed up blind to a tournament, didn't prepare, didn't put your work in, didn't put any effort in, just, ba just basically said I'm fasting until I get to that thing. How do you think it went? Didn't go well. You came away frustrated because your expectations weren't met. You came away blaming the person who hosted the tournament because they didn't preach, or sorry, they didn't uh, prepare the tournament well enough so that you would get something that you wanted out of it. You get what I'm doing here? How silly is it that we implement that same exact practice into church and into our spiritual livelihood? Do you understand that church is supposed to just be an explosion of awe and wonder? Not, I'm going to sit here and listen right? Church is supposed to be Benji prophesying over me and Benji prophesying over Casey and Benji, you know, not just exclusively Benji, but he's just in my line of sight, right? It's supposed to be that. It's supposed to be, hey, guess what I saw at Safeway? <laughs> hey, dude, I was playing indoor soccer. Guess what happened? Some dude twisted his knee. I went and prayed for him. Fixed. Right? I know, this might be radical. It's not. This is reality. This is what it's supposed to be like. Church is supposed to be, man, wow, the Lord is so big. I love preaching, but I would love to not. Right? I would love for you guys to come with stories, testimonies, of man, the Lord showed up. And we'll get there. 
don't beat yourself up because it's not there yet. We'll get there, right? You don't have to have a bunch of people who are like-minded praying over one person to see the Lord do something. You can do it one-on-one. But there's a training that takes place midweek. There's a secret place that takes place midweek where you say, Lord, I just want you right now. I just need you right now. I have to understand this scripture. Where are you leading to re- Where are you leading me to read right now? All of these things. There has to be a hunger quenched daily, not weekly. Jesus said, "Pray like this: Give us today our daily bread." He didn't say, "And pray like this: <laughs> Give us Sunday our daily bread." so we can make it through the week. And that would be like, eh, I don't know about this Jesus guy. <laughs> he doesn't sound like great. He's just once a week guy. No, 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 no. Daily. You get it? A lot of people come to church and think this way though. All right, I'll get my fix. I'll get my Holy Spirit hoedown going on on Sundays and then I'll move on Monday and back to the ho-hum. And yeah, there is ho-hums. I get it. There is. I don't like my job. There are ho-hums, but I'm thankful for it because I get to eat Chipotle when I want. You know? You get it? Okay. Have you ever gotten completely hooked on something? Like to the point where you were almost like, this is an addiction. Have you? I have. I have coffee. I get hooked on it, dude. Like if I don't have coffee, headache city. I'm jumping on a plane to headache city. Addiction, I get it. But man, what if we were that addicted to our Bibles, to our intimacy with Holy Spirit? What if we were that addicted to Him? Where I went to Headache City when I didn't spend time with Him. What if, right? (laughs) I don't know. We'd probably change our lives up a little bit. We'd maybe wake up an hour earlier. Oh, Lex, don't talk about that. Maybe we would. Say, I'm just going to start the first 30 minutes praying and another 30 minutes reading. What if? What if we set the table properly for our days? Individually. Then what would a gathering like this look like? Well, it would probably look like Acts. (laughs) Right? And keep in mind that this was the first book I read. Acts was the first book I read after I met Holy Spirit. So you're going to hear a lot about the passion that I have for this book. Okay? And I'll be quick, all right? I promise. I probably have like maybe five minutes left, okay? You guys still with me? Okay. And I know you guys have early mornings tomorrow, so I'll honor. Usually I wouldn't care. 
In the future, I won't care. I should have turned there when I told you guys to turn there. Acts 1. And I'm going to kind of, I'll read verses 1 through 8, and then I'll kind of uh, hip hop around, okay? Ready? Yep. First. <laughs> nah, who cares? I'm just going to read it. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the, to the, to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, which is sweet. Did you guys know that? Jesus hung around after he resurrected on earth for 40 days. Whoa. What else did he do? <laughs> Man, we got ripped. I'm just joking. <laughs> Man, what if it captured all of that? Wouldn't that be cool? Ah, whatever. Um, after 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Thanks for capturing that, disciples. Verse 4. That wasn't in the Bible. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, this is in red, yes? This is what Jesus said. He's quoting Jesus. You heard from me that John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with Holy Spirit not many days from now. Sweet. What a promise. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you, check it, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. It says other cities, but you get it. Yes? to the ends of the earth. Two highlight, uh, two verses to highlight. Verses five and verses eight, okay? Verses five and verses eight. Verse five says, John with water, you with Holy Spirit. Yes? Good news? Ah, the best news. <laughs> Literally, the best news. I won't say the next thing. Verse eight, here's the other one. Power when he comes upon you. See how Holy Spirit was referred to as? He. Yes? Power when he comes upon you and that you will be my witness to the world. In John 20, 22, Jesus blew on the disciples and said, receive, my Holy, receive the Holy Spirit. This is not only an anointing that he placed on them, but also a final foreshadow of what is to come. For who? Me and you. Congrats. Isn't that cool? Isn't that exciting? Does, does that excite you guys at all? Yes? Okay, it should. If it doesn't, get a pulse. Okay? And then, I don't want to rush this, but in uh, Acts 2 is when Pentecost happens. Does everybody know what Pentecost is? when Holy Spirit descends and blows up the party, <laughs> right? The fascinating thing about Acts 2 is, and we'll read it, but I want to give you a summary first so that then you can see some awe, okay? Is they individually, 
took ownership over their faith. Did you hear that? They individually took ownership over their faith. They weren't relying on a pastor. They weren't relying on the apostles. They took ownership of their faith and said, I want this beyond the message that Lex or Pastor Reese or anybody else that you listen to is giving me. I want it more. You get that? Yes? You sure? Okay. Acts 2. Let me see where I want to read. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, let me set the table first. They were all in one room, in one accord, in one place. They just picked Judas's replacement. <laughs> okay? Just picked that guy. And now they're all in one place, submitted to what, uh, what they believe that the Lord's leading them into. And then when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Whoa. A sound filled a room. That's pretty cool. Usually we think of objects filling rooms, but a sound filling a room? It's kind of an interesting concept, right? Okay, maybe not to you. And filled the entire house. And then, verse 3, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to, tongue, uh, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, uh, devout men from all, uh, all nations under heaven. And at the sound, the, multiple, mul the multitude came together and they were bewildered because they were hearing them in each other's language. Pretty awesome, right? I'll keep going. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these people Galileans? And how is it that we hear them in our native language? And then it lists a bunch of cities off, which I'm going to butcher if I try to read them. So a bunch of cities. And then verse 11, And Jews and Cretans and Arabians, uh, we, uh, we hear them uh, telling in their own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others became mocking them and said they were filled with new wine. Okay? Okay, we'll stop there. Okay? So I want to highlight a couple verses. Verse 2. A sound rushed and filled a room. Okay? Pretty interesting. And then the sight of divided tongues, a sight of sound. <laughs> you get this? It's kind of weird, right? A sight of sound that looked like fire was resting on every single person's head. And then four, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. Verse six, a sound brought the multitude. And amazement and astonishment and then mocking and perplexment. You get it with me? 
It's an interesting thing because when they came together, and I won't read this, but when they came together, they were devoted to four things. And this is what they did week in, week out. They were devoted to four things. Breaking of bread, prayers, fellowship, and teaching. That's what their environments looked like when they got together. Right? And no, it wasn't just on Sundays. It was every single day of the week. And they started selling everything that they had, giving up everything that they had, so that everybody had their needs met. Whoa. That's what a place looks like when everybody's wanting to honor the Lord individually, and then they come into an environment and everybody's already in one accord and in one place. The church today is very, very good about being in one place. They are. We fill, we fill buildings all across the nation and all across the city. But what about the one accord part? We've got to get better about that. Right? We've got to get better about it. Why? Because we want to see the cool stuff, right? John Wimber, who birthed the vineyard movement when it was really, really dope, he went to church. He was a drug addict, and he went to church, and he sat in there and then went to the pastor after and said, where's the cool stuff? And the pastor said, what, what are you talking about? He said, the cool stuff, the stuff that it talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, the signs and wonders, the gifts of the Spirit, the crazy stuff that Acts 2 talks about. Where's the cool stuff? pastor said, oh, we, don't, we believe in it, but we just don't think it's for today. What? We believe in it, but we don't think it's for today? No, we got to believe in it, and it's for today. Oh, it's got to be, right? If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, man, why would he change? <laughs> right? In verse 43, in Acts 2, it talks about how the signs and wonders came. In verse 45, it talks about how they sold all of their things and distributed, distributed all the proceeds so that everybody had their needs met talks about how everybody came alive in Christ in these, in these gatherings because they were all just on fire for the Lord. And those who believed were all together and had all things in common. This is not a brainwash. This is heaven invading earth, the reality that Jesus tells us to pray into. Pray like this. Hallowed be your name that heaven would come to earth right? Don't you want that? Don't you want it? Don't you want to see people healed? Don't you want to be healed? <laughs> you know, like, come on. It shouldn't be pulling teeth when we come together and say, oh man, Lord, what do you want to say? Man, we should know. We should be praying for each other all week. Can't wait, can't wait to text Benji with the word that the Lord just gave me for him. Whoa, that kind of stuff. All of that kind of stuff, right? So what are the daily rhythms? I'm not going to give you the punch list, right? 
But what it, what it said in Acts 2 is really simple. It says they attended temple, they ate together, they were generous, they were praising God, they had favor with people. So if we add all of those plus, 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 it equals numbers were added to their day, day uh, to their, uh, what am I saying? Numbers were added to them daily. There it is. Don't we want that? Again, don't you want your friends in here worshiping next to you, prophesying over you, you prophesying over them? Don't you want that? Or are you cool just being like the lone wolf? No. You gotta stop. I wanna see, I wanna see the Holy Spirit land in ways that we've never seen him work before. Don't you? So how do we do this? We buckle up all week. We say, your ways, Lord. Let me tune my affection to you, King. All of these things, right? It's your guys' responsibility. I can give you sweet, sweet nectar like this every single week. But it's your responsibility Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. To say, Lord, I just want you. So I can be prepared for tonight. Right? Isn't that cool? We're really good at being in one place. But we got to get better about being in the one accord. So I told you guys, I want this room to be filled. I want to have to move into the big room. Don't you? With a bunch of your guys' age and our age, all worshiping together. Seeing people come out of wheelchairs, dude. I want it all. You've got to decide if you want it too. Because again, I'll feed you stuff like this every single week until you give me a reason not to. Right? It's us as individuals who have the responsibility to see the church explode, to see the ceiling tiles blow off this place and see angels descend from a ladder up and down like Jacob saw. Right? You get it? Does that make sense? So you see your responsibility as an individual? Yes? And with that responsibility that you carry, you walk into a place like this where everybody else is carrying the same thing. Imagine what our worship looks like. Wow, what does that do to the Lord's throne? Wow. What does that do to his heart? moves it. I want to move his heart. Don't you? Isn't that cool? This week, read Acts 2 as many times as it takes so that you get that hunger. So that you say, I'm not stopping at anything until I see it. Because I've seen it and I want it again. I need it again. I need people 
to run with me and want the same things that the Lord wants. Not what I want. Not what I want. The Lord wants. He obviously was pretty fond of Pentecost. He was pretty fond of what was taking place there. It was more than just prophetic. It was honoring the hunger that was in that room. Tonight, when you get home, ask the Lord, am I hungry enough? That's a big question. Am I hungry enough, Lord? So I'm not, make me hungrier. Am I thirsty enough, Lord? If not, make me thirstier. And then prove it to him. Or put your money where your mouth is kind of thing, you know? If you don't know where to read, read Acts. And it'll challenge every ounce of what you believe. Dude literally walked past people. His shadow hit them. Healed. What? Dude wiped some sweat off of his forehead with a rag and said, I'll take that to the person. Laid it on them. Healed. I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have is what? Stand up and walk. Don't you want that? He still does it today, dude. He still does. But man, we got to get the one accord part. We got to get the individual part. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's our responsibility to show up for the Lord. It's cool to see you guys. It is. But man, we should walk into this room. Who cares about the coffee? Who cares about who's winning ping pong? Who cares what's on the speakers? Somebody grab the microphone and start worship. Right? Who cares what the light settings are at? <laughs> Somebody get started in worship. Right? We've got to get there. Cool? Hold your hands out in front of you like this, like you're receiving something. Holy Spirit, I pray for every single person who's hearing my voice that you would birth a hunger and a thirst for you, Lord. That they would take ownership over their faith. They would take ownership over what you have asked of them. And that, Lord, that when they get home tonight, that you would meet them. That you would honor their hunger. that, Lord, that you would create holy downloads in every single person's heart tonight. Where the phrase, I just want you, would echo all week long. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you say you are. Thank you for being worthy of what you ask for. And we give our yes every single day. So Holy Spirit, I pray that as everybody walks out these doors tonight, that they would be changed, that they would be tuned to you, and that a new love would be birthed tonight.
a new hunger, a new thirst would be birthed tonight. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.